Turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Continuing in this series, I began at the beginning of the year, as Paul exhorts in his closing words to the church at Philippi, what they should be thinking, or how best to guard your mind so that God's peace is yours. We began talking about thinking on whatever is true and then went to thinking on whatever is noble or honorable. Then went to, I was going to say last week, but it was two weeks ago. Whatever is just. And in each case, we understood that the world defines these terms differently. And that's not what our definition is of what is true or noble or just. Our friends or the circles of influence that we walk in are not what define what is true or noble or just. And definitely social media is not what defines what is true or honorable or just. It always comes back to the word of Almighty God. And not just the word of Almighty God, but the word of Almighty God in a growing relationship deep within us that bring truth and honor and justice. Read it again, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Again, the end result of all this godly thinking is that the God of peace will be with us. So today, we're looking at whatever is pure. So for me, the best illustration to have for whatever is pure is we start with something every one of us knows about. Every one of us at some time in our lives has partaken of. Every one of us, even if you're not the biggest fan of this, probably at some point in our lives have enjoyed this. Chocolate. Any chocolate lovers here today? Well, almost everybody's hand went up. Yet there are so many varieties to choose from. There's milk chocolate. There's dark chocolate. As we approach Valentine's Day or even around Christmas time when you get these boxes that have so many different kinds of chocolate in them. And it's all so good. But have you ever had pure chocolate? Pure chocolate, or what many will call 
baker's chocolate. It also can be found in cocoa powder. It's unsweetened. It's bitter. Let's be honest, it's nasty. <laughs> Overall, eating pure chocolate is unsatisfying. In fact, the further away from the sweetened processed chocolate that we all know and love, and the closer we get to pure chocolate, the less satisfying it is to our taste buds. It's also true that in many parts of the world, when they taste our chocolate, the way we process it and sweeten it, they'll say it tastes too sweet. But <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> because they were raised on a different type of chocolate that is pure, closer to, but not completely, chocolate. They were raised on chocolate that has less of the, all that other stuff that we put in it. When they think of chocolate, they think of something that is a little closer to the pure product. It's chocolate, but not with all that other stuff added. And yet, we've become so used to all the other stuff being there that when we don't have all that other stuff in there, it just seems wrong. Especially when we have or taste chocolate in its pure form. It's like, what are you doing to me? No one would want a Valentine's box of 20 pieces of pure chocolate. If we're honest, that's how the world looks at the purity of God today. And sadly, that's how many Christians look at God and his purity. For many, the idea of following Jesus and following him according to his word and following and doing life Jesus' way leaves a bitter taste in their mouths and is unsatisfying. You mean the Lord desires obedience more than sacrifice? You mean I don't get to be the boss of my life and call all the shots and do whatever I want? No, nah, that's okay. I'll add a few of my own ideas to this concept called obedience. No, that's okay. I'll create my own recipe when it comes to the Bible's version of holiness. Surely the commands of Jesus about loving my enemies could use some revision. How about I add what the world thinks is sweet and tasteful? to the Christian faith. Because after all, if I do all this, this will make it much more palatable. But our job is not to make the Christian faith more palatable. Our job is not to make the Christian faith more tasteful. Our job is to follow the word of God, whatever it says, and if it's untasteful to us, we're to move and become used to what God wants us to be. You mean in the body of Christ we're supposed to lift up one another? Yeah, we are. Does the Lord really value humility? Come on, Pastor. We see so much division in our world. So much division in our country. And sadly, so much division in the church. 
And the closer we grow to Jesus and the closer we come to his ways and the closer we become more like him, the purer our faith should become. The more this idea of humility will become a part of us. So many think that God needs help when it comes to how to reach people. Let me just make something abundantly clear to us all. God is perfectly able to be God all on his own. Just tell them that God will fix everything in their lives and then it'll be okay. To all those scriptures about being given the power to endure sufferings, we'll just put those on the side. Just tell them that every day with Jesus is sweet and pleasant and happy. You can go ahead and lie to them all you want. Just tell them that once you give your life to the Lord, every day the sun will shine. Maybe if you lived in San Diego. I would tell them all that. Except I've gone through the Bible and there are just so many scriptures about lying. We forget that so many of us first tasted the world and now have tasted of his sweetness. Because what the world offers is fake sweetness. And when we come to Jesus, we learned that his purity is the best. But let's be honest, we didn't learn it right away. We had to grow. And some need to learn that still. Paul's instructions to his young friend Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 21. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share with other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. We accept the fake, and when we add to what the Lord calls us to do, when we add our own recipe for caring for others by only caring for some, when we add our own recipe to marriage and what is acceptable in his sight, when we add our own recipe to when life begins, focusing on what is convenient in our culture, when we add our own recipe to who is my brother or who is my sister based on what political ideology they may um, embrace at the moment. I'm tired of Christians who voted one way and Christians who voted another way saying that if you voted the other way, you can't be a Christian. Let me go out on a limb and say here, it really wasn't you who decided whether I was a Christian to begin with. It was someone named Jesus Christ. That's not pure faith. And there is no humility in those comments. You know, I posted something on social media as I was reading yesterday that, don't you love that you can be a Christian for 20, 30 years and you read the same passage you've read many times and something you never saw before jumps out at you? And that happened to me yesterday. I was reading through the account of the Lord's table kind of thinking about today in communion. And it just dawned on me. 
It was at the Lord's table that Jesus identified who his betrayer would be. He said, I'm going to dip this bread into something and I'm going to give it to the person who will betray me. He gave it to Judas Iscariot and then Judas left the meal, left the supper. But something happened before Judas left the supper. In John chapter 13, it says right before that, Jesus washed all the disciples' feet. And the phrase just kept ringing in my head. Jesus washed Judas' feet. Jesus bowed down. Jesus lowered himself to wash the feet of someone he knew was about to betray him. He washed the feet of someone he knew was going to be a main catalyst in all the pain and all the suffering and in all the humiliation he was about to endure. And yet he still bowed down and washed his feet. I just want to leave that out there and think about that. The next time we get upset with someone for doing far less and saying, well, you and I can't fellowship anymore. Because of what? This is not humility. This is not a pure faith. Romans chapter 14, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. Receive one who is weak in faith, but not to disputes about doubtful things. For one believes she may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him not who eats despise him who does not. And let him who does not eat judge one who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? Well, I need to read that again. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand. For God is able to make him stand. One person, one person esteems some day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks. For none of us lives to himself, no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that we might be, that he might be Lord both of both the living and the dead. But why do you judge another or judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to God. So then each of you shall give account to himself. Therefore, let us not judge another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause, a cause to fall in a brother's way. Amen. I've traveled to many countries and had communion in many different ways. I've had communion with Christians in traditions that were unlike mine. 
that believe different things about what was happening in the communion service than I believed. Very different. But they're my brothers. They're my sisters. I've taken communion and probably every brand of Christianity our culture has to offer. God has called us to think about whatever is pure. That usually has us not thinking about what pleases our flesh. About what we ourselves find satisfying or we ourselves find comforting or we ourselves find sweet. James chapter 1 verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Pure religion or pure faith. Keep oneself unspotted from the world. Tough call. Does this mean we don't get to engage the world at all? No, we do and are called to. Does this mean that anything the world that anything that the world does we don't get to look at as evil? No, that's not true because there are many evil things going on out there. Does this mean we should just kind of sit back and sit up and read and pray 18 hours a day? <laughs> Good luck with that anyway. But no. We get to go out there into that strange world and let the world know that we have a living, breathing, awesome, wonderful, loving Savior and that he died for them and that he loves them so much. We want them to come to him, but it must be clear they are not just embracing Jesus as Savior, they also need to embrace Jesus as Lord. He becomes the Lord of their lives. He's become, he becomes the master of their days. And the best way to demonstrate to them that that is a pure and sweeter thing is when he is the Lord of our lives and the master of all of our days. But if I tell people that, if I tell people that God becomes God in their lives and their own desires take a back seat to what God wants for them and I can't live according to my flesh any longer, they might not come to Christ. So instead what we do is we water it down and we add our own recipe and offer sweet, uh, fake sweetness. But I want people to taste the real thing. I want people to embrace the true gospel. I want them to wrap their arms around the actual living Jesus. Psalm 34, I'll begin reading in verse number one. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make, it, make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, 
and saved him from all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around me who fear him and delivers them. And the verse that really fits, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Has the Lord been good to you? Is, has the Lord given you a life that is so better than anything the world has to offer? But that goodness is found in those who trust in him. Think on whatever is pure. Well, here's a profound statement. Jesus is pure. His ways are pure. His ways of dealing with other people are pure. His ways of dealing with people who creep you out are pure. His ways of dealing with your enemies are pure. His ways of dealing with people you don't like are pure. Now, I know you're all tremendously loving Christians, and there's nobody in your lives that you don't like. So we're talking about other Christians today. Because <laughs> you see, I'm not interested in an American gospel. I'm not interested in a European gospel. I'm interested in the pure gospel. When Jesus, the way, you know, he's not just the best way. He's the only way. Everything else is just fake. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I use the analogy of chocolate and sweetness and sweetener. This is not a message against artificial sweeteners. Yes, thank God. But we don't need artificial sweetener in the gospel. The gospel tastes fine just the way it is. Now, I'm not about being legalistic. That's just not how I'm wired. I'm not about using whatever method we can or, or I am about using whatever method we can to get the gospel to as many as we can. There are many throughout the Christian world that have come down hard on even though the pandemic has gone through its various cycles that we stop using various technologies to broadcast things or promote the gospel. And I think about that often. And every time I do, I think about... Felipe, many of you have no idea what I just said. Felipe is a brother in the Lord who just about every Sunday tunes into our live stream from Dubai. Dubai. I'm not talking about a place in Ohio. I'm talking about the nation in the Middle East, Dubai. And he's always there. And we're reaching him. So as long as Felipe is there, we're going to be there for him. I have no issue with technology. That's probably because of my undergraduate degree in technology. And we will continue to use it. As long as what is sent out is the pure gospel, isn't watered down, isn't some entertainment-based thing, but it is the word of Almighty God uncompromised and preached boldly. 
that we are sinners and Jesus died for our sins. And forgiveness is only found in giving all to him as Savior and Lord. That is the pure gospel. And it's been saving people for 2,000 years. There's nothing about 2022 that needs to alter that recipe. And then following him and his ways every day of your Christian journey. That is thinking about whatever is pure. Now, chocolate seems just to be the perfect example as far as pure and not pure chocolate. But there are so many other things that we need to focus on. And it's true, isn't it true that there's so much vying for your attention, trying to distract you, trying to tell you what is important, trying to tell you what matters, trying to tell you where you need to focus. Jesus. Trying to tell you what the church needs is more dynamic speakers and to have different mottos and, and, and different slogans and, and different approaches. Well, I'm sorry. For me, it's Christ crucified. And he died for you and me. Christ crucified, what's that going to do to people? It's going to remember that Christ died for them, hopefully. But what if they don't respond to that? Then understand that then the Bible is coming true because Jesus said in the Gospels that the world hated him. They're going to hate you. But I don't want people to hate me. Then you shouldn't have become a Christian. So he warned us. Doesn't it bother you when you warn somebody about something and it comes to pass and they didn't take your warning? Come on, be honest, it does. It, it bugs you. Well, Jesus warned us, as the world hated me, so they will hate you because of me. Now, I'm not saying that because that's going to be true anyway, that we need to go out there and be not nice people and help that along in any way. Think on whatever is pure. I don't need to add anything to Jesus. I don't need to add anything to the gospel. I don't need to modernize it. I don't need to rephrase it in a way that makes it palatable because what I'm doing is adding impurities. I need to focus on Jesus thinking on whatever is pure. Stand with me, please.